Hey guys, now before I bring on our special guest, he's a good friend, great guy, you're going to love him. I just want to set the stage a little bit right now for the situation that we want to discuss on the show. Millions of young adults struggle with mental health issues every year. So many of them, and it gets so bad that it affects their daily life. It just messes it up. And you know what's sad? Treatment is available. Help is available. And so many of them don't want that help. Now, a lot of people try to stay healthy physically, okay? I'm trying to, but I got to try a lot harder. Um, Some people try to stay healthy spiritually. And fewer people, not anywhere near enough, try to stay healthy mentally. And that's what we want to talk on the show about today. How do we how do we get mentally healthy? How can we get healthier in the mental dimension of our lives? The conversation we're going to have is um, critical. It's to me it's very very important. Our guest, our friend is a mental health advocate. Okay, this guy is an award-winning educator. He is the wholeness director at UCLA's Geffen Academy. He is an author. He has done stuff with You Talk before, and he's also the author of a book called Behind Happy Faces. A great read. Check it out. Okay, um, let's welcome Ross Zabo. What's up? Hey, man, it's great to see you, dude. Good to see you too. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. It, it's 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 great to be able to have this time to to converse with you. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Uh, let's jump into it. What uh, what does a wellness director do? I plead my ignorance. <laughs> I have some ideas, but I want you to answer. I mean, I get that question a lot. Um, okay. I don't know that it's uh, it's something I, I necessarily like created a life path for. I kind of fell into it. But what the wellness program at Geffen Academy at UCLA does is we teach students about their mental health once a week. And oh, okay. every single week of their education from grades 6 through grades 12. And so we mainly focus on mental health, but obviously it would be impossible to talk about mental health without talking about healthy sexuality and healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't just mental health once a week. We do mix in other other really big topics. Okay, so you're really talking about whole person wellness, really, then. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems like the mental dimension of it is just absolutely critical. And it's one that I think we ignore too much. I mean, why why is mental health important? Well, I mean, it's it's so important because it kind of dictates everything in your life. I think the reason we don't focus on it as much as we could is because we can't see it. You can oh, see a broken leg. Yeah. You can see a, a, a problem with your body. But because the mind is uh, so complicated, we tend to dismiss it or treat it differently. So mm. really what we try to do is normalize that your brain is a part of your body, that mental health does affect you. And and break down all of the ways to help young people engage in those kind of skills so that as mm-hmm. they go to college or whatever they do after high school, they're more prepared. Now, that, that is, um, to me, it sounds very unusual. Now, I don't remember going through middle school, junior high, high school and having this kind of conversation. Is Geffen Academy 
unusual in this or has this become more normal to use that word or are you hoping it becomes normal? (laughs) Well, I think now a lot of schools have wellness programs and what they tend to do is teach students in one year of their middle school or high school life. So Mm. in ninth grade, you could get all the lessons you need or in 10th grade or 12th grade. What we've really tried to do is understand that adolescent development needs this kind of reinforcement and education every year. It can't Mm -hmm. just be stuffed into a health class in ninth grade or jammed into something you learn right before you go to college. That conversation has to be ongoing and persistent in order for it to stick. Like a lot of schools talk about safe sex before kids are having sex. And then when they're having sex, they don't talk about it again. Um, So, you know, it's, it's really important to maintain that conversation. Now, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me because it's an ongoing, I mean, life is about learning. We never, if we stop learning, we really stop living, you know, and, and I'm a big one in wanting to learn. Um, I remember the first uh, I'm a drummer. I don't, I don't know if you knew that or not, but it, that's one of the hats I wear. And I remember the first guy I took pers- uh, private lessons from. He was, I was up in the San Francisco Bay Area. That's where I was raised. And he was like the number one drummer, first call for commercials, soundtracks, everything. And I, I distinctly remember him one day saying, I was a junior in high school. And he said, Steve, I want you to learn something from every drummer you hear. And I went, Bill, you got to be joking me, man. Some of these guys can't beat their way out of a wet paper bag. And he goes, hey, Russo, your attitude stinks. He said, maybe it's one riff they play. Maybe it's the way they tune a drum. He said, always learn. And, you know, I've broadened it to my entire life because there's so much we can learn. But you go to something like mental health, I think it's it, it seems to make more sense that you spread it out and it seems to me, I don't know if research has been done, but if a student is, is from 6th to 12th grade, they're getting this on a, in a steady diet over those years, it seems like they're going to come to the end of high school a lot more healthy mentally than cramming it into, and, and I'm not being critical of the education system, but just cramming it into one year, it just doesn't seem like that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the reality is like a lot of schools don't have time, so they do the they do the best they can. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, this summer we're going to be hosting a training for teachers at Geffen Academy where they can learn how to do what we do. I think there's a couple really big things that we have learned, and and one of them is most kids spend elementary school getting told that it's okay to talk about your feelings and it's okay to express yourself, but when they get to middle school, it doesn't matter what gender or sexual orientation a kid is, they see that sharing their emotions has consequences. Hmm. If you're a young person and you share emotions and people start gossiping about you, chances are you're going to stop. That's right. If you, if you share emotions and you're made fun of or called weak or stupid or something else, chances are you're going to stop. And so that middle school age is a really critical time hmm. to incorporate mental health education because you can counteract the consequences that people are getting about gossip and Mm -hmm. being isolated and everything else. And then what we see in high school is that's when their identity really starts to develop even deeper. So what is their sexual orientation? What is their race? What is their gender? What is their experience? And how do we use mental health education to help them grow into successful teenagers? And I think that's what's missing, to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. is that when schools are doing this just in one year, they're either not doing mental health education in a way that counteracts the 
the judgment and the consequences for sharing emotions, sure. and then they're not continuing it into high school when that identity development is so critical. And then we do we not see the consequences into adult life where we've got so many adults, um, you know, they don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here. They don't know, you know, what they're all about. They don't know how to effectively, I guess I'll use that word, share their feelings, share what they're experiencing. And of course, it seems like there's a whole side of that of what is appropriate to share when and with whom. Have you guys found it, Geffen, that that your students are coming out, graduating, I should say, in high school, from high school, stronger mentally and, and more prepared to handle the challenges? So I have a I have a lot of thoughts on this. One is that <laughs> adulthood is is often just undoing what you did in adolescence, right? Most of yeah. adulthood is spent being like, oh yeah, that relationship completely destroyed trust, and now I'm trying to trust people again, <laughs> or like that person cheated on me, and now I'm trying to be better in a marriage or relationship, right? Yeah. What we've what we've seen, and we have our first graduating class this year, oh, is okay. that. Across the board, there is much less stigma around mental health. So when Mm. we did qualitative data studies with them as they were leaving, across the board, they said they came into school with a ton of stigma they left with, none or not as much. Now, part Mm. of the reason for that is we know from an evidence-based data perspective, the number one way to lessen stigma is to have contact with a person who has a mental health disorder. So for four years, Mm. every week of their four years, I talked about my experiences with bipolar disorder and trying to kill myself and uh, substance abuse and all of these other things. And it does normalize it for them where they're in a classroom hearing from a trusted adult that it is okay to go through these things. And the messaging for them was never, hey, you have to figure out your mental health. It was always, you're young, you have this chance to mess up, to fail, to learn sure. from those mistakes. Sure. Because adults don't have their mental health figured out. No, and, no. And I, I think another way that people fail is they go into high schools and they tell kids they have to have it figured out, but like, that's not realistic. It's not realistic. No, it, it really isn't. And, and to add to this whole complex uh, situation, now we've got COVID. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting, like I was talking to my next door neighbor, who's a, a foot surgeon, and I'd never seen him. He, he's jovial, we laugh and, you know, we build fences together, you know, and, and do what neighbors do, you know, and he just kind of took this moment and said, my kids are really struggling with this mm-hmm. COVID thing. They're really struggling with the Zoom classes. And as a, a wellness director, as a mental health advocate, I mean, would you concur that this has taken its toll on students? Yeah, and, and, and much like anything else, there's percentages, right? So there was a yeah. percentage of students who were prone to anxiety and depression before this, and then during it, just we just kind of lost them. Um, and it hmm. wasn't a huge percentage, but it was a big enough percentage where it's alarming. And then there was a percentage of students who actually enjoy being at home and not going to school, (laughs) which is like a a different issue, right? Sure, Um, sure. And then, you know, there was a percentage of students who weren't phased by it, who were online, who were in person. And the unfortunate reality of schools is we're not equipped to handle or help every single one of those percentages. We tend to be like, well, look at all these kids doing okay. So everything must be fine. And, and, you know, that percentage of students with severe mental health disorders really struggled during this. The percentage of kids who 
you know, we're just isolated or lonely or scared, like that does also affect their, their brain development too. And mm -hmm. so it was a, it was a really challenging time for everybody. Yeah, no, it's interesting because um, this, this past semester, uh, typically in a non-COVID environment, no pandemic, I would be going into middle schools and high schools doing a school assembly, using my drums, talking about choices, having a lot of fun. Well, obviously I haven't been able to do that, but all of a sudden I got inundated with schools contacting me saying, hey, could you do a Zoom class for our drum students, our percussion students? And it was so fun. And the the response getting back, hearing back from band directors, oh, you inspired our kids. Oh, you gave them something else to to focus on and challenge them. You know, and I thought, man, I would, you know, I would do that every day of the week if I could, if it meant that I could encourage students and inspire them and give them some little break, some something in the, the midst of this. So I'm thankful for what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. And, and I'm glad that other teachers are coming in. Because, you know, obviously we can't teach everything. I mean, it's like I hear people saying, well, you're not teaching enough history about this or enough. Well, you can't teach everything. But something like mental health is so critical. It, it's just, I guess I see so many adults struggling with it. And I, in my mind, I'm saying maybe if they had the regular um, teaching and the adult they can trust and like you and being able to say, hey, this is what I struggled with, and I'm continuing to work, you know, through the journey of life, but it's okay to get help. It's okay. Why do seemingly so few students go seek help? Well, the biggest reasons that I always hear are it's embarrassing, it's mm -hmm. uh, shameful, it's something that they think they can get over, uh, get through on their own, it's a sign of weakness. I think the most number one answer recently, though, is they don't want to burden other people. Mm, they have their problems, okay. they have their issues, they see their sure. friends have problems, have issues, and they're like, I don't want to put this on them. And so, you know, what's really happening inside of that is trust. And then also that self-awareness that maybe you're not burdening other people. Yeah. And maybe you're just kind of afraid to actually face what you're you're dealing with. But those are the biggest barriers. And mm -hmm. A lot of people think step A in mental health is like getting a diagnosis or treatment, but step A really is being willing to accept treatment. Like oh, when, I was, okay. when, when I was going through my worst period with my mental health, I had access to treatment. I had a diagnosis, huh. but because I felt stupid, embarrassed, ashamed, weak, scared, all these mm -hmm. other things, I didn't, I wasn't compliant with the treatment. So, so step A really is like asking that question, hey, why aren't we talking about this? and then breaking down the barriers to help people feel more comfortable. Interesting. So that means somehow you, in order to do that though, you've got to have somebody in your life you trust, yeah. whether it's a teacher, a coach, you know, music teacher, a family member, a friend, whoever. And, you know, I, I keep thinking about something else I see so missing in our culture and that's people really listening to other people. Um, you know, when I get done doing a school assembly, sometimes I've got 200 students standing in line wanting to talk to me. And sometimes they'll say the most crazy things, but it's to see, I mean, I have one little girl come up to me, 16. She goes, why do you hate teenage girls that have babies so much? And I'm going, whoa, whoa, time out. You know, I, I'm trying to go through my mind. What did I say? No, I would never say that. She was just trying to get my attention. And, you know, by the time we finished our conversation, it was a totally different thing. But that was how, 
she was trying to express herself. Um, and it's, I mean, we hear a lot. And of course, you know, I, I get tired of people when I'm trying to talk to them, you know, taking phone calls all the time or they're on their phone texting or whatever. It's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm talking to you. You know, I want you to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Take us on a journey because I, I think it's important. I remember when we had you on our live stream that, I mean, you just put it out there. And I appreciated that so much. And as I was thinking about this month and, and guests, you know, I thought, man, we've got to have Ross come on because that's power. I mean, it's a powerful story. And what you're doing is is so amazing because it's it's being authentic and real and saying, look, guys, this is tell us, take us on that journey, if you don't mind. You mean the journey of my like personal story? Yeah. So, you know, I think um I think the, the most important thing to understand is that like the mental health journey kind of starts before you're even born, right? So like mm-hmm. okay. on both sides of my family, we have bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety disorders, and addiction. Oh. So my parents, when they got together, when they had us, they were like, hey, we're going to try and do everything different from the way we were raised. Sure. And, and they did, you know, they, they raised us a million percent different than they were raised, but we couldn't escape that biological tie. And mm. so- you know, my first introduction to mental health was visiting my oldest brother in a psychiatric ward when I was Whoa. 11 years old. Whoa. Uh, he was he was 18 and um, was a sophomore at the University of Pennsylvania. But my introduction to mental health was really, really quick. I would say oh, I had to grow up man. really fast. And then I can't imagine I, that. Let me ask you something before you go any further. I mean, did that was that shocking? Was that it had to be uncomfortable or had had you been seeing things anyway and knew there was some problem? I mean, I can't imagine no. being 11 and seeing my 18 year old brother in this, you know, he, he was, um, he was exceptional. You know, he graduated high school when he was 16 and went to the university Whoa. of Pennsylvania uh, to major in physics. And he got through his freshman year without any issues. So it was, it was really hard and just kind of strange. That's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. It was strange. Okay. okay. But, you know, I think at the same time, my parents explained to me that he wasn't going to die and that this was Mm. something he could live with. And so there was an innocence at 11 that was like, okay, yeah, not going to die. So what does this mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, two months after I visited him in the psychiatric ward, my grandmother died. And then 10 months later, my best friend was killed. And then two months after that, my grandfather died. Whoa. So, you know, from the ages of 11 to 12, I just went through a lot of loss and, and trauma. That's huge. Um, and you know, nobody sits you down and explains how to deal with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I started hiding my emotions when I was 11 to try and make sure everyone else was okay sure. and make sure everyone else was happy. I started drinking when I was 12, Whoa. uh, because it felt good. It felt like I could numb out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was 16 and was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder, what I often share is like the most dangerous things that happened before that diagnosis were one, I'd been hiding my emotions now for four years, five years. Yeah. But two, sure. I learned to drink alcohol before I learned to talk about my feelings. Ooh. And, and so as I went through high school and went into a deep state of depression, I um, continued to use those coping mechanisms. I continued to hide. I continued to drink. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those coping mechanisms lasted for me really up until age 22. Like, I, I was hospitalized for trying to kill myself in high school. I went to college for two months and had to leave. 
And then I bounced in and out of different colleges and, and psychiatric wards for really four years until wow. I was able to find a way to start managing it. What a journey. I mean, with that kind of a journey, that young, I mean, I'm amazed you and I are sitting here having this conversation and you're doing what you're doing, but what a great way to turn things around and in a sense, say to a high school student, middle school student, okay, you're struggling. That's okay. But now let's talk about coping. Talk to us about coping because I think that's so huge. Well, what we know is the second largest period of brain growth in a human's life is between the ages of 12 and 25. Okay. And that the coping mechanisms, the identity work, the experiences with loss, change, and rejection that you go through between the ages of 12 and 25 can last for a really long time. Hmm. You start creating neural pathways for the, okay. the coping mechanisms that you have at that time. Sure. And the longer you use a coping mechanism, the harder it is to change it. So what the, the work we really try to do with young people is helping them understand that there are effective and ineffective coping mechanisms. Uh, I try to get them to understand, hey, what coping mechanism helps you release emotions and what coping mechanisms reinforce your emotions oh. and just giving them a vocabulary and definitions around coping. Because if you can get them to use their self-awareness to start making changes in their lives, then they're less likely to repeat the most damaging patterns of those coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, what I always say to students is each time they kind of go through a developmental milestone, it's an enhancer. So if they were ah. harming themselves or drinking or doing drugs in middle school, going to high school typically means they're going to do it more. Right. And if they're doing it in high school and they go to college, it typically means they're going to do it more. Right. And then the transition from college to adulthood typically means you're going to do it more, not less. So anything we can do to intervene is beneficial. And, and really what we're sure. trying to do with this training this summer is every single school in this country has someone who cares about their students, mm -hmm. has yeah. someone who has their trust, who has their belief, but may not know how to do all of this. And so what we're trying to do with the training is like give them those skills and those tools so that we can do this anywhere around the world where there is a caring adult. Wow. That, you know, that is, that, I keep saying huge, but it really is huge because going back to something you said, it, it sounds to me like part of the key in helping them to develop coping skills is ownership. Instead of saying, hey, do this, do this, do this. It sounds like you have them work it through. So they're owning that process. They're owning that skill they're owning that fact that, okay, maybe this coping mechanism isn't the most positive thing for me to do, but here's something I can do in place because I, you know, I, I've, I've done the, you know, um, don't do drugs, you know, the drunk drive, you know, mothers against drunk drivers, and it's all really good. But, but I have always tried to come back and say, instead of saying, okay, don't do drugs, don't do this, don't do that. Okay. Well, they're doing it for a reason. So what can I, give them what in a short amount of time, not like what you guys are doing, what can I give them to, to say, okay, maybe I could do this instead of this. It's mm -hmm. healthier. So I love what you guys are doing I, and, and bringing teachers in. And, and you're absolutely right. I think sometimes teachers get, get a bad rap, but I, I've seen, you know, 
teachers in schools all over the country and overseas that, man, they love students. They're passionate mm-hmm. about it. That's why they're there. They've dedicated mm-hmm. their life to it. And for you guys to be able to equip more teachers to take this, because it's just, it seems like our mental health in this country w- with adults as well as, as students is just tanking. It, it's just, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think what's happening is, We've been locked in mental health awareness for about 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate downside of mental health awareness is we're going out and we're letting people know all of the statistics of how many people are struggling, but we're not teaching them what they can do about it. Oh. It's essentially like going out yeah. and being like, hey, everybody, you're all messed up. And then when they're like, I don't want to be messed up. We're like, ah, oh, no, my, my, the whole purpose of my campaign was just to tell you you're messed up. I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything for you. And you know, we didn't, we didn't do that with physical health. Like we would never go out and tell everyone here are all the ways you can die. And then when they're like, I don't want to die, just be like, Oh, well, I was just here to tell you you're going to die. Maybe you could talk to a doctor. Like, (laughs) so we really need to move past just mental health awareness. Awareness is always going to be important. What we need to do next is teach them actual skills to manage this. Absolutely. Because this approach isn't working for anyone. No, no. it really isn't. And I mean, Let's face it, most people know there's a problem. They don't know how to get out of the problem. They don't know how to put a stop, you know, put the brakes on and say, okay, now wait a minute, let me get perspective. Now, okay, here's the steps that I need to take. Here's some of the skills. So uh, props to you guys for doing that because it's it's more than, yeah, yeah, I just think of relatives even that are so, so struggling with mental health issues and, and people I come across in different situations. And it's like you just, you shake your head because you know there's got to be a better way, you know, and not that there's necessarily a normal for everybody because everybody's normal is different, but we've got to stop saying here, Hey, there's a problem. Did you know there's a problem? Yeah. Everybody knows there's a problem for the most part. I mean, if you're, you're either, you know, in a cave or a coma, if you don't know there's a problem, you know, so, but give me tools, give me, so let's go back that first step then, and getting help is admitting it. That's what you said. Hey, I, well, I need to get some kind of help. No, the first step is uh, really working past the barriers that are preventing you from getting it. So okay. if you feel like seeking okay. help is a sign of weakness, how do you work past that? If you're embarrassed or ashamed or scared, or if you're worried about burdening other people, how do you work past those barriers? Okay. Because we're not in a time period where people don't know that mental health issues are, are real or, or they're things we, we should talk about or shouldn't like talk about, but sure. we have to break down those barriers that make people feel Absolutely. so scared. Now, once you start that process, mm-hmm. now let's jump ahead just for the sake of time in coping does, uh, and again, you're the, the expert in this, not me, but does exercise play a role as, as part of a coping skill? Yeah, mental health is health, right? And so okay. health requires a, a physical health component and, and whatever people need to do to actually help balance their life. Hmm. I think what, what's most important is like, you don't have to have a physical health disorder to need help to balance your physical health. We are fine with people who are thin and strong and not sure. having diseases going sure. to the gym. Yes, We yes. need to get to the same place with mental health where you don't have to have a mental health disorder to take care of your mental health. And how you take care of your mental health could be listening to music, talking to a friend, playing a video game, going for a walk, doing something physical, doing something you enjoy, connecting with people in some other way. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the key there is like understanding that anything you do 
becomes a habit, becomes something you do on a regular basis to take sure. care of your mental health, not just something you do when you're in crisis or when something's wrong. Oh, that's that's huge right there. I mean, that really is. Give give that to us again, because I want to make sure everybody has picked up, because uh, I think that's that's super important. Yeah, mental health is not something you do just when something's wrong. It's not something you try just when you have a problem. Your mental health has to be something that you wire and you foster and you grow much like your physical health. And obviously your physical health and mental health are so tied together, it would be impossible to separate them. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes so much sense. Okay, what does that junior high, middle school, high school student do to find somebody that can help them unpack the barriers to them turning things around and becoming more healthy mentally? So one of the things they can do is is open up to somebody that they trust. Okay. You know, okay. if they feel embarrassed, ashamed, weak, scared, whatever it is, having the conversation about why they feel that way. Mm. Maybe somebody did shut them down. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't know what it feels like to express emotion. Maybe they don't know what those first steps are. And so just taking that first step to open up about why they're scared or about what they're afraid of is, is really beneficial as the first step. There are many steps after that. Um, but you know, that first step is really just having that first conversation and, and opening up. That is so important. And a lot of students I talk to tell me they have trouble finding somebody they can trust, mm-hmm. you know, which I think adults do too. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, people can be so brutal you yep. know, and, and with social media, I mean, you can just slam, bam, and destroy somebody anonymously, you know, and you can't take that back. It's out there. And and I look at the students who have taken their own life because somebody posted something about them. With Let me stop for a second with that. Um, speak to that person. Um, I know we don't have time to get into it in depth. We're going to have to have you back on the show. I mean, this is this is really great stuff, and this is what we're trying to do with you. Talk is is you talk all about you, you know, students talking to us, and of course, this is such a huge issue. So I appreciate you taking the time, but maybe something. What what could you say? What would you say to somebody who's uh, they're they're watching the show, they're listening, um, and they're they're having those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And the storm clouds are there in their life. It's dark. They feel like there's no way out. Um, I don't know. Is there? A, there's a first step when that happens. To, to there assume, is, and, you know. and look, I mean, it's it's important to say that there is no magic wand that right. can take away suicidal thoughts. I, but it, to anyone who is in that place, there's a couple of things to to hear. One, you're not alone. Uh, You're not alone in thinking about taking your own life. You're not alone in thinking about what the world would be like without you gone. But two, most people who attempt to take their own lives don't actually want to die. They just don't know how to stop living the way they're living. When I tried to kill myself, it wasn't because I wanted to die. It was because I really couldn't handle the thoughts of death and suicide and the constant anxiety, depression cycle Mm -hmm. that was burying me. So it's, it's one, important to know you're not alone. It's two, important to know that if you are in a position where you're having these thoughts and you truly don't want to die, there is help available. Yes. There are hotlines you can call. There are text lines you can text. There are resources all over the world that, that can help you. It's, it's often said that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yes. Uh, because it is. You know, it you, is. You, you feel stuck. You feel like there's no other way. You feel like there's no way out because um, you haven't seen that side, but that mm-hmm. side is there. It, exists, it really is. And there's a, there's a way to get through it, but it does require that person, you know, seeking help, talking to someone about it and understanding that like, 
you don't go from point A to point B in life. You kind of go from here to like here mm-hmm. and then back. Like you have to celebrate the small wins, the small victories, the small changes in life. Because a lot of times when young people are going through things, they want to get from here to here quickly. And our brains just don't work that way. No, no, absolutely. And again, it it, it sounds to me like it would be important to have somebody in your life that's helping you to acknowledge, to recognize that small victory and be able to celebrate it. And, you know, I was just sitting here thinking, I've lost track of how many students have told me after an assembly, Steve, I really didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. Mm-hmm. I got I, that anxiety, that, you know, all of those things. So that's huge. We'll put some things in the notes for this show uh, some resources. Uh, talking about resources, uh, because we're our time is is quickly going away, and that's why I say we're going to have to have you back if you're willing to come back and join us, because this is this is really rich stuff. This is gold for our students and and young adults. Where is a good place for mental health resources? Is there? I mean, I know there's multiple websites. Um, yeah, I know, think I think one of the best websites is PsychHub because it is the the collaboration of every single mental health organization, okay. every single topic, every single thing you could imagine ever needing is at uh, psychhub.com. And it's truly one of the most collaborative awesome. efforts I've ever seen. It'll, if awesome. you want to do advocacy, it lets you know all the advocacy available. If you want to learn about a disorder, it gives you all of the resources for that disorder. If you need help, it connects you to help in any part of the country you're in. Oh, like wow. It's really just the the one-stop shop for everything mental health. We'll put that up at psychhub.com. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I was not aware of that. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be a good resource for us to be aware of to tell, you know, people in our audience, hey, here's a place you can go. Um, we'll also list hotlines and, and and text numbers where you can be even more anonymous. They don't hear your voice. But I think that to me, it's like if you're hurting, get help. There's mm-hmm. help out there. There's people that love you and care about you and uh you may not be able to find a Ross in your life, but find somebody close, you know, that, that will walk through this journey with you. Ross, thank you. It's great to see you. you thank you for sacrificing your time. I, <laughs> I, I know you're busy and um, we'll, we'll work on getting you back and, and um, talk about some of the other issues because it sounds like we just barely scratched the surface. Uh, yeah, mental, mental health, health has and, a, it's a complicated layered topic, but thank you so much for having me on. It's always good to see you too. By the way, if somebody wants to follow you on social, how do they do that? Uh-huh. Yeah, my, um, the easiest way is through Instagram, just my name, Ross Zabo. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Rossy Zabo because the only other Ross Zabo on the internet got there before me. Um, <laughs> and then my company is Human Power Project. And uh, we sell curriculum to people of all ages, kind of middle school through corporate. So that's the best way to find me. Awesome. And you do have the book Behind Happy Faces. Yeah, I have a, a book called Behind Happy Faces and another book, a kid's book about anxiety, uh, which was on Oprah's list of her favorite things for 2020, which, was, uh, which wasn't which was bad for sales. No, I was going to say congrats on that. I mean, to get the <laughs> Oprah stamp, you know, I, I've never had that in my with my book, so I'm going to have to work on that, you know, just, just to stay even with you, bro, you know. <laughs> There's still time. You have time. Okay, good. I'm glad. Hey, thanks, man. It's great thanks to so see much. you, and we'll be in touch. Thank you for yep. taking time. This is Utalk Radio. 